This is Market Pathways, your premium guide to global medical device regulation, reimbursement, and policy. Become a part of the global medtech community at mystrategist.com. Welcome to the Market Pathways podcast. I'm Steve Levin, Editor-in-Chief of Market Pathways. And today's edition of the podcast will focus on a recent panel discussion at our April Dublin conference that covered the new EU medical device regulation MDR, which became effective last year. And for those of you who have been following MDR, it's no surprise that rather than provide a new level of clarity as far as European device regulation, the MDR has just provided an increased level of chaos as there's been a lack of understanding of the meaning of key provisions. We've had extended delays in the implementation of the Udamed database and perhaps the biggest issue, a lack of a sufficient number of notified bodies. The result has been an effort by key countries, particularly Germany and France, to try to push off the implementation date uh, for MDR. And we're fortunate at this panel to feature an outstanding group from various aspects of the industry, including Mark Pierre Moll, who heads the German MedTech Association, which was responsible for trying to delay implementation of MDR, Serge Bernasconi, the head of MedTech Europe, the European Medical Device Trade Association, Jeff Jump, CEO of MedAlliance, drug-coated balloon company, and someone who has been following this issue closely from the perspective of MedTech executives, and Gloria Crispino, a consultant with Statistica Medica, who has been tracking and working with companies on how they can best comply with MDR. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, we're going to get started and people will come in from the coffee room. So, this I had to say, this is the kind of panel, it feels like it's been years in the making. Because for years we've been doing the, what is MDR going to be like panel? With many of the same people who are up here. And we've been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And this is the first in-person conference for us since... MDR has become effective. So it's like the baby has been born, and now we can talk about it as, as if it's real. So and we have a, just a, a terrific panel. Uh, I, I can't think of a better group to tell us about uh, the current state of affairs and what's going on with MDR from a, a number of, of different perspectives. So uh, let me start on my far right. And Mark Pierre Moll is head of BV Med, which is the German MedTech Trade Association. And then next to Mark Pierre is Jeff Jump. Jeff is the CEO of MedAlliance. And I have to credit Jeff. He has been just assiduous in following MDR for years from the perspective of a company CEO and the impact that will have on, on industry, particularly on small to, to mid-sized companies. 
Um, next to Jeff is Serge Bernasconi. Serge needs no introduction, but I will introduce you anyway as the CEO of MedTech Europe, which is, of course, the European MedTech Trade Association. And next to Serge is Gloria Cospino. And Gloria is a native. You're in Dublin, right? I'm in Dublin. Exactly. Originally from Italy. Uh, and Statistica Medica is uh, a consulting firm, and I'll let Gloria tell you a little bit about it, but she also has been really following MDR over the years and spent a lot of work uh, time with companies uh, on, on how to best adapt to the new regulations. So, sir, let me start with you. There's been a lot of talk since the MDR became effective, May 26th of last year, 2021, after being postponed one year because of the pandemic, um, concerns about the number of notified bodies and whatever. But give us a 30,000 foot view of what the issues are, what's working well, what's not working so well. Okay, well, first of all, thanks a lot for the invitation. It's good to see you all uh, live this time, you know, uh, not, not just behind the screen and a TV screen, so it's just fantastic. I just had a fun time coming here, two, three hours in the airport to go in. This is things that we're not used to anymore <laughs> in the last three years, but I know we're going to get back into this also. Uh, just to give you back a little bit what's going on. Look, um, yes, I mean, officially this, the, the MDR is applied for the last year or so. Uh, I would say, and you said the baby was born last year. I'm not, I don't know if I want to say that. But I don't think there is a term for it in obstetrics, okay, uh, in terms of whether the baby is really born or isn't half born or, or, or where does it stand. Because at the end of the day, uh, we have an obligation since uh, last year that all the product that goes into the market now need to fit with the MDR requirements. Uh, most of the old, all the product or, or um, the product used to be on the market before have obtained the possibility to extend their their um, their license up to, if I'm correct, 2024. Just, just, I don't want to assume that everybody understands okay. that there was a grace period until 2024. Just explain what that was. Sure. Uh, essentially, um, all the product, what we call legacy product, most of them, essentially, yeah, uh, which were on the market prior to um, uh, May 2021 and had a valid um, MDD license, so, so the previous system, uh, have up to May 2024 to transform this into an MDR fitting requirement license, so to make the full tra transition. So we have two more years to do the transition. And do you, do you think a lot of companies took advantage of that grace period? Uh, I think that all the companies did. Oh. <laughs> a few, I think that most probably 99% of the companies obviously did this, which in fact created an interesting situation because it significantly overloaded the work of the notified bodies at that time, because basically they were only doing one thing, renewing, renewing, renewing license so that people could extend the, 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 the license up to 2024. Now, the fact is that since one year, you cannot in, get on the market in Europe without fitting with the requirements of the MDR, the regulation. Um, the fact is also, let's face it, <clears throat> the system is still not 100% ready. I mean, we, 
it would be unfair for me to say, oh, things are great and things are smooth. That's not the case. Um, there are still many things missing to, be, to have a smooth working system. We only have up to now about 28 notified bodies. So that has increased progressively in terms of number of notified bodies. But as a, as a point of reference, we used to have about 50 uh, and even 80 a long time ago. But, so it's still about half what we have. And there are still a lot of difficulties in terms of interpretation of the regulation, which result in situations which are complicated because even within the 28 notified bodies, not all of them make the same interpretation sometimes of the, of the regulation, which, which is a real headache. So uh, are we pleased? Absolutely not. Do we think that things need to improve? Absolutely yes. Uh, do we think that uh, we might still need more time after that? Yes, we will. Uh, and I think that Mark Pierre will also address that point. Uh, we have a potential to represent relatively a lot of the big companies. The good chance that Mark Pierre is with us is that he represents also a lot of small and mid-sized companies or startup companies in Germany. Um, and we have an issue, frankly. I think the legacy product will be OK. For me, the big issue remains the new products, because there is no real provision today for new products, okay, or products which are in phase of, let's say, incremental evolution, where there are changes. Basically, there is no provision there. And then the only option you have is going to MDR. And that's not ready, let's face it. So let me ask you, in addition to the problem with the number of notified bodies, over the years, we have talked about issues <coughs> with regard to understanding certain key terminology. And Jeff, you've been instrumental in highlighting things. What constitutes a significant change? What are the roles of panels in, uh, under MDR? Uh, because they differ from what people think of with panels you know, in the US with, with, with FDA. Serge, has there been clarification? I know there have been 90 plus guidances that have been you know, issued to explain various uh, elements of, of MDR. But to what extent do those questions still remain outstanding? Uh, first of all, let me tell you, the fact that there is 90 guidance is, uh, is a symptom that the system is sick. Mm -hmm. Okay, because there should never be so many guidance mm -hmm. to try to fix the, to fix the law. Uh, but on the other hand, there are ways that you can try to improve the situation, so we, we, we use them. Uh, there is still a lot to do. There is still a lot to do. Even you, know, you talk about experts and, and, and talk about the expert panels, um, still not working really uh, that well, and exactly what will they do, under whom will they really operate. EMA seems to be the one who's going to oversee them, which nobody understands exactly why. Um, so there is still a lot of confusion. It's, it's really like a, a, you have a new car, but the, the system is not really fully ready, and so you're, you're still, in, the, in a way, testing the car, breaking in the car before it can really run. Uh, and I believe, and I don't want to scare two people out, but we have at least a good two to three, if not even more, four years in front of us in transition before we potentially get to something which is smooth. So Mark Pierre, let me bring you in. Um, re very recently, the BVMED, the German Trade Association, and Sneedem, which is the French MedTech Trade <coughs> Association, which I should add, together you make up more than half of the European medical device market, have put out a proposal talking about extending MDR. And I should say also MDR has actually been extended twice before, once because of the 
pandemic most once. recently. Or once. Once, once. Okay. The, uh, and, but your proposal is to extend it further, maybe along the lines of IVDR. We'll talk about the diagnostics, you know, after that. But, but talk about your proposal and why you think that would really help the situation. Yeah, sure. It's not just the, the uh, postponement, it's, it's three parts uh, of our proposal, but um, in order to understand this German-French initiative, it's important to understand the situation we are in right now. We have a big mess with the implementation of the MER, and I just want to give you three uh, figures, and these are not figures from, from the industry side, these are figures from the um, uh, notified bodies. Uh, you know, the European Association of the Notified Bodies, Team Notified Bodies, they gave us these facts and figures. So, first fact, we need, uh, and we're talking now about legacy devices, not about uh, innovation. Uh, we need for the legacy devices, for the old products, more than 25,000 certificates uh, being issued. So far, less than 1,000 have been issued under MDR. That means in the first five years, we have less than 5% of the legacy devices issued under MDR. That means in the coming, upcoming uh, two years, we need more than 95% of the legacy devices being uh, recertified. This won't work, that's number one. Second number is uh, team notified bodies tells us uh, right now they can issue annually something like 6,314 uh, certificates in one year. And we have two more years to go. That means something like 13,000 certificates to be issued. But we need 25,000. That means more than 40% of the legacy devices won't make it if something won't change. And the third figure I want to give you, in average, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but in average it lasts 18 months to get a certificate under MDR. Um, the end of the grace period is May 2024, minus 18 months. You end up in November 2022. That means in approximately six months from now. The companies and manufacturers have to decide within the next six months which products they try to get uh, in the transition to, into MDR. And that's the problem. Um, we have to change the system now, not tomorrow, not the day after, but now. Otherwise, we will lose so many companies and so many products in Europe. We in Germany, we have more than 13,000 medtech companies. And most of them, over 90%, are small and medium-sized companies. We estimate, if nothing happens, if nothing changes, uh, we will lose at least 10% of the companies, 30% of the products, and, of course, the power of innovation, because we have just talked now about legacy devices. And that's the problem, and that's why we build up pressure. And there are not that many chances to, to change the system, because you need the political will. And the European Commission tells us they see the problem, but they don't intend to do something unless member states will do so. And we have seen a change, the, uh, the MDR has been changed twice so far, second corrigendum in October 2019, and the postponement um, of the date of application in early 2020, and both times it were member states addressing the issue to the European uh, Commission. And so they are waiting for, the, uh, for member states to act, to, to, to start an initiative. And that's why we talked with the German government, uh, SNITEM, the French association, talked with the uh, French government, and many other associations in Europe now talk with their governments also in Ireland, I believe. 
And uh, there's um, then just one place where we can address this, and that's the EBSCO meeting. That's the meeting of the European Ministers of Health, and the EBSCO meeting, the next meeting will be on June 17th. And that would be one chance to address this issue. And we, if we don't address this within the next month, then we lose these companies, we lose these products, and we lose the power of innovation. That's the reason why we, we started this initiative. So, sir, let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, would MedTech Europe support this kind of extension? And without getting too far into the weeds of uh, the process, would this have to go through the European Commission, the Parliament, and the member states? And, sure. and is that a viable, a really a viable option? <coughs> Uh, first of all, do we support? Yes. I mean, you know, we work with BDMed, and BDMed is part of MedTech Europe, uh, is a member of MedTech Europe, I should say. So we, we fully support, and in fact, I think it's the, it's the way you try to do it at the European level. You basically try to take it from both sides, from the, from, from, the, from the country side, which in Europe the country can still say what they want, and then we do it from the Commission side, so basically the two things are put in between and eventually create some reaction. So. Do we support what what busy medicine are doing? Absolutely, we do. Okay, and, and, and you know we we, just, we talk about this, but on a on a very very regular basis. Uh, will this work? Look, uh, I think the figures. Anybody who is logical and even relatively simple in mind, and listening to what Mark Pierre said, would say it has to work. It's not a question: Will it work? But it has to work because otherwise, Europe is in a mess. Now, uh, I would say, unfortunately, it is sometimes a bit complicated in terms of a legal standpoint. How do you obtain and how do you put in place extension of time? Because the fact is, we have in front of us a law. And if you change the date, that's always complicated legally because you need to change the law. Now, there are different aspects which you can use, mechanisms which you can use to try to make this happen. Uh, it is a bit complicated, but it's feasible. It happened with the IVDR. It happened with the MDR, with the extra one year. I agree 100% with Mark here. The fact is, if the countries go and put on the table, guys, we need some more time, they will give us more time. Now, you don't obtain more time by saying, we want two years, four years. People ask me constantly, how many years? And I generally say, look, I don't know what it is. Is it two, three, four, five? On the IVDR, we obtain between two to five years. We never asked for anything. We only said it's just impossible to make the system work. And let me just inject one thing just so people who aren't aware. In addition to MDR, you have the IBDR, which covers diagnostics, which is technically going to become implemented May 26th Next month. of this year, so less than a month from now. But there's been a proposal to extend it on a tiered basis that can go out to 2029, if I'm yeah. correct. Steve, maybe just uh, one thing. Uh, it's not just about more time. Because what we said in the German-French uh, paper, uh, the Sneed and BVMED paper, is first, uh, the major problem is the bottleneck of the notified bodies. That's why we need more capacity. If we don't get more capacity, then second, we need more pragmatical solutions within the limitation of the capacity which we have right now. And if we don't get this pragmatical solution, we need more time. So more time is the third step. And again, your point is, by focusing on the number of notified bodies, people may be asking the wrong question. The real right. question is, 
the amount of resources that are dedicated to the whole process. Yes. So Jeff and Gloria, let me bring you into this conversation. Jeff, from the perspective of a CEO and your, your colleagues, other CEOs, and Gloria, you work with companies all the time and advise them as to how they yeah. should comply. What's your view of the current state of the state in terms of can this be implemented without an extension? Do you support an extension? Is it essential? Or can you, can you go ahead without it? Yeah, I don't think the baby has been born. I think we're still in labor. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, <laughs> and I am so happy uh, that Mark Pierre is here and what he's done um, because, you know, not only to support it, the three of us, for three years ago on this panel, right. we're saying, you know, there are two problems. One is all the innovative product, products that you need to get through and make sure they're safe and and can bring them to market. The other thing was the legacy. And the legacy was what really concerned us because these were products that people are using every day to save lives and they, from one day to the other, were not gonna be available. And so, you know, and, and at that time we said, let's get, take more time. Product has been on the market for 10 years, we know all about it. Why do you have to go through the same bottleneck at the same time as innovative new products? Just give more time to those. And, and independently, uh, you know, Mark Pierre's organization have come up with this, this concept idea to do that and I, I really, uh, you know, I really got to take my hat off to him. This is finally somebody's doing something about it. We've been screaming, there's a train coming, get off the track. And finally, you know, somebody's put up a light and, and a sign and said, yeah, the train's coming. So, no, I, I'm, I'm more than supported. I think it, it, it's definitely what needed, both, you know, on the legacy part, which is where people could physically be harmed, and then we go to this, the social economic part of the innovation, and that's a, a completely different question. And, and that, what we predicted was going to happen, sadly, has happened too. Uh, a lot of innovation has, has left Europe. And uh, clinical trials. Everybody used to come and do clinicals in Europe because you had a set formula, a recipe you could follow, and you could know what you had to do and roughly what it would cost and roughly when you would get approval. And now with the MDR, there's, as, as Sergio was saying, there's different interpretations in different countries. And then some countries, you know, further, further to, to Mark Pierre's point, like Denmark, they're actually giving support to the notified bodies to try to help get them organized. But the same experts you need for the notified bodies are the ones we need in industry to get through the notified bodies, and there just aren't that many of them. Right. So, but I, I do think the whole clinical thing of going first to Europe is done. Now you go last to Europe. So mm. what, what is good is that accidentally this process has moved us towards a global harmonization of clinical studies, which many people have been pushing for for 20 years and nobody could ever get done. But when the FDA decided they would do the breakthrough and agree that they would let 50% of the patients be done in Japan and Europe, and they agree that they would fix the protocol in advance of going to the US, which before they didn't, they could change their mind and say we want a different comparator or a different endpoint. So now, you can take the same protocol and use it in Europe, Japan, and the US. And they can be, they don't have to be the same study, but they have to be exactly the same protocol, the same definitions. And that way, if you get done in Japan more quickly, you can get approval in Japan. And then you can always put them together in a meta-analysis. So the same European patient counts for MDR, Japanese approval, and FDA approval. So there's a little silver lining in this whole I think that's one of the good things. Thanks for listening so far. This interview will continue after this short message. Market Pathways is the number one publication that covers the people, challenges, and opportunities impacting the global medical device, regulatory, reimbursement, and policy spheres. MyStrategist.com is your digital home to access all of our coverage and read the latest issue of Market Pathways. Your support is valuable and makes us better. 
please remember to leave a review and rate Market Pathways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. Gloria, I want to bring up another area they haven't talked about. One of the big challenges of MDR is the additional clinical data yeah. that are going to be required. And yeah. you have made what I think is a, a, a point that, that has really been overlooked, and that is companies need to really figure out what claims yeah. that they are going to be submitting because they're going to have to accumulate the necessary clinical data. That's Talk right. a little bit about that point yeah. because I think that kind of gets lost in some of the, yeah, the yeah. discussion. Yeah, so we are in the field where the companies trying to do MDR transmission. Uh, transition, some very successful stories, some less successful. From a statistical point of view, what we bring and what we really would like you to hear is one of the key requirements of the MDR is you need sufficient evidence to support your claims. The most important word in that sentence is claims. Before the MDR, a clinical evaluation report would have something like 200 statements, unique statements, clinical, technical, marketing, business development, that you claim your device is doing. What the MDR has put on top of that is for every statement you're putting in that clinical evaluation report, you need to provide evidence. And evidence means data, good data, good study, preclinical study, clinical study. In fact, the MDR doesn't say randomized controlled trials, which is what they say for pharma company. It just says data, it says evidence. So one of the uh, really heartwarming advice for anyone that is in the MDR transition is look at the claims that you're making. In the pharma industry, which is the other side of our business, the number of claims is about five, maybe four, in a, in a clinical evaluation report, because it costs money to collect data. We often have conversation with our medical device companies, and they say, the marketing group wants this claim. The BD groups wants this claim. The board wants this claim. The competitor has this claim, so we need it. All these are very valid reasons, but then you need the statistician that collects the data and scores the validity of the evidence. And what we find ourselves is ticking on, off, on, off. This claim won't make it. This claim won't make it. This one will make it. This one will make it. And suddenly, not very suddenly, eventually you have a list of essential claims on which you base your effort. So now you have this supporting evidence that means statistically valid, clinically relevant, and methodologically comparable. You really need to know your stats linked to the real claim, the true claim you want. What we have seen is a cleansing of the path. So the, the CR now are neat, are very similar to the pharma one. Is it simple? Absolutely not. If you haven't started your MDR transition now, no matter how many years of extension you're giving them. It's years of planning. Some of the larger companies we work with started four or five years ago, classifying their evidence, streaming and screening through their claims. So there is no extension unless you already started. But the moment you start, if you're really down to the field of your claims, you can make it much easier for yourself, much, much easier for yourself. 
I also want to ask you one other question. In the meantime, if anybody has any questions or comments, please just come, come to the microphone. Is it possible that companies here can use, knowing that, that the data requirements have been increased significantly, are there tools that they can use to maybe mine information Absolutely. that they might have in-house, they Absolutely. might not even be aware of, to you, can you talk a little Absolutely. bit about Absolutely. The key advantage, again, from a data-driven point of view of the MDR is that it looks at the evidence for the, through the full product cycle life, from R&D to preclinical, animal to clinical. That means that every piece of data you already have is valid. This is a huge advantage compared to pharma because in the pharma industry to get your, your approval, you need, among the other study, you need two large randomized control trials. Randomized control trials cost tens of millions of dollars. There is no requirement for this in the MDR. There is a requirement for evidence through the product life cycle. If you have good statistician and good statistical tools, they can extract, they can do meta-analysis, they can rerun some analysis. We have seen a couple of claims being dropped because we were told the data weren't strong enough, and then we went and looked at the data, and we saw the statistical methods used to analyze was incorrect, and it gave a no significant p-value. When you go and you reanalyze them with the proper tool, they were significant. So there are very practical, statistical, logical tool to reduce the burden of the MDR. Absolutely. You need a good statistician as early as possible. Serge, I want you to weigh in, but I also want to throw out a, a comment that was made on a previous panel, which is that MDR is not going to affect the innovation Absolutely. coming out of Europe. Sure. You're still going to have the clinicians, the entrepreneurs, the inventors yeah. with the great ideas that we've had for decades it's really going to affect the commercialization of products in Europe. Do you agree with that? Question for me? It's, well, Serge, and then yeah. I think Serge had a comment on what you were saying. Well, uh, at this point in time, we could say yes. Okay, and that's what we need to fix, actually, because, I mean, it, there's a lot of discussion in terms of the attractiveness of Europe and, and so on. Right now, it is more complicated. And by the way, in terms of clinical, there's also one notion thing which is important for people to know is in the MDR, there is no possibility to, choose, to use equivalency data, which you could do before. So if, if you're in a domain where you would go and find data which is not yours and you could put it into your file, you cannot do that anymore. Do that. Okay, but nobody can. can. Nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody, not even your competitor. Nobody yeah. can, which, which is interesting because now the discussion is people would like this to be reopened because if it's a great protection in a way, however, obviously, it limits the access and forces companies to potentially redo things mm -hmm. <coughs> which were there before. Now, you can use your own data that you had before. Mm -hmm. That you can. So if you had data before, you can. But you cannot go and take some other company data and bring it into your file anymore. So, so basically, those of you that know the 510K process, it's eliminating the 510K process. Mm -hmm. You can't compare to another product clinically and say you're equivalent, therefore you want to get on the market. You also have to have the bench data and the preclinical data, and good luck going to a big company and saying, by the way, can I have your preclinical yeah. data and your bench yeah. data so I can get approved and compete against you? Good luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're running right up against time, and I, I want to try to end on a, on a positive note. And so at, at some point, 
MBR will reach a status quo or we will get back to some kind of business as usual. I think the, the $64,000 question is, is how long do you think, whether, whether there's a, an extension granted or, or, or not, you know, how long can you, you know, tell companies in the room that you expect, and I, obviously none of you have a crystal ball, that we could get back to some kind of business as usual. Mark Pierre, why don't we start with you and just come on down yeah. the line, everybody. Well, I think when we talk about the MDR, we have to talk about two issues. Uh, one is the period of the implementation of the MDR. We just talked about that. And then once that is done, we have to talk about the further strategic development of the MDR. We have to change the MDR once it's completely implemented because we, uh, we have to, the competition, the global competition, and we have to get the innovation back, the power of innovation back to Europe. Mm -hmm. If we don't change the MDR once it's implemented, uh, we lose the innovation, the power of innovation here. Jeff? I think it's going to take a generation. I think, uh, you know, when, when you saw... So you mean 20 years? Yeah, it's years. at least 10 years. I mean, it's yeah. going to take, by the time... There's some great things in it. The database, the, be, the ability to look at the database. We'll have one of the best databases in the world to be able to use AI to be able to understand problems and fix them better than anyone else. But, I mean, the FDA wasn't working for 20 years, and they only recently... It took them 25 years to change and do the innovative thing. And, and So it's going to take a while. Uh, you know, it, but we can make the steps that, that you know, that... Uh, Mark Pierre is making, you know, are crucial for the things that we're already using today and European patients are already benefiting from. And then I agree we have to, to look at it, changing the whole thing once we get out of the, the, the stress of the, the, tr the big crisis, we need to try to fix it and make it better for society in Europe. Sir? I would, <clears throat> difficult to say, I might not be as pessimistic as Jeff, but uh, I would say a good five years. <laughs> and, and I agree with, with, uh, with, uh, with Mark Pierre. In fact, we're already working on, on what's next, uh, which in my mind is not something 100% new, but something very significantly improved and with a totally different structure. Glory, I hope you you're right. <laughs> I, I have successful story of MDR transition every day. There are products going through MDR every day. So, yeah, a lot of work in the next two or three years, but the biggest advice is just start, start, start if you haven't started, and if you've already started, accelerate and be very aggressive. A big difference between now and pre-COVID, you don't have much luxury of your product. Some of them will make it, no matter what you do. So be very aggressive on the products that you think will make it. The rest needs to retire. Yeah. Great. Well, th let's thank our panel. A fascinating discussion on a difficult topic. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Market Pathways podcast. We'd encourage you to visit us at our website, medtechstrategist.com, for other editions of the podcast and to find out more about our publication. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Your support is valuable and makes us better. Please remember to leave a review and rate Market Pathways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen.